Welcome to the CME CE podcast. Let's talk MRSA. Twenty frequently asked questions. Please review the complete CME CE information at www.mrsa20faqs.com. This podcast is designed to clarify frequently asked questions in serious MRSA infections that pose a threat to patient safety and add to the healthcare burden. Episodes released weekly are structured into four learning modules. Learners can apply for credit after reviewing each learning module. This is the first learning module, Evolving Epidemiology of MRSA. There are four episodes in this learning module. This is the first episode. In this episode, Dr. George Zanell from University of Manitoba in Canada shares his clinical experience. Thank you, Dr. Zanell, for speaking with us on this serious topic. In this episode, we will try to get a better understanding as to why MRSA is such a problematic pathogen. Now, news about MRSA has flooded the media as well as the medical literature starting in the late 1990s. It's probably considered the original superbug that we often hear about. However, this pathogen has been around much earlier than this. So, Dr. Zanell, when did MRSA first appear and how did it evolve to its current state? MRSA first appeared as early as the 19, early 1960s, but it started to rapidly evolve throughout medical centers across the United States and across uh, various parts of the world. By the 70s, the, low, the rates of MRSA were still relatively low, but by the 80s, nationally, rates were hovering around 10%. By the 90s, rates of MRSA were 25%. In the 2000s, it was around 50%, and today, rates of MRSA in medical centers across the U.S. is somewhere in the range of 60-65%. Now, how did it, uh, it evolve? This is an organism that spread rapidly through medical centers uh, across the United States, making its home in long-term care facilities, in various medical wards, and establishing itself as a true health care-associated pathogen. Okay, so you touched on this a little bit, but where is MRSA commonly found? MRSA typically was found in hospitals and long-term care facilities. It established itself there causing infections in primarily individuals who had been in hospital for a long time, the elderly, uh, individuals who had received antimicrobials, and caused a myriad of infections in hospitals. Today, MRSA can be found both in the community and in the healthcare settings, such that today we have two entities, community-associated MRSA, which is known to commonly cause uh, skin and soft tissue infections, including serious illness in young, healthy individuals in the community. And we have healthcare-associated MRSA, which preferentially causes uh, infections in hospitals. However, uh, we know today that growingly CAMRSA and HAMRSA are becoming, are creating mosaic MRSAs that are capable of causing infections in both the community setting and the healthcare setting. And we see healthcare-associated MRSA causing infections in the community and community MRSA causing infections in the hospital. So now we have a real mosaic of MRSA infections in both the community and in the hospital setting. So are there specific characteristics about this pathogen that contribute to its, to its virulence? Absolutely. Staphylococcus aureus and the methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA, has a variety of weapons at its disposal that allow it to cause infectious diseases. And these uh, include everything from a variety of enzymes, such as coagulase and catalase and hyaluronidase 
and lipases and nucleases to a variety of toxins such as uh, alpha toxin and beta toxin and delta toxin and most recently described the PVL or Panton Valentine leukocidin toxin. Uh, some of the staph aureus and MRSA have uh, toxic shock syndrome genes allowing them to act as superantigens and cause toxic shock syndrome. They can have exfoliative toxins and they can have other virulence factors such as capsules. They can make slime. They can make protein A. So it's important to realize that staph aureus and MRSA, this is a very virulent pathogen capable of causing a variety of different illnesses based on the weapons at its disposal. And so how do toxins play a role in this pathogenicity? So let's take a few specific uh, toxins. For example, the organism makes uh, coagulase, which allows it to actually cause localized clotting, presumably walling itself off from the immune system and the body's ability to attack the organism. The organism makes catalase, which is an enzyme that can break down hydrogen peroxide, which is an important uh, substance that is used by the immune system, for example, uh, polymorphonuclear cells to actually kill staph aureus, and yet staph can break down hydrogen peroxide. By making hyaluronidase, it can actually break down connective tissue and allow it to spread and cause serious skin and soft tissue illness. Some of the toxins that it produces include toxins that allow it to break down white blood cells, red blood cells, platelets, fibroblasts, allowing it to rapidly spread within the vascular system and also tissue. And then more recently, the described Panton Valentine leukocidin toxin is a toxin that allows it, again, to break down immune cells like white blood cells, allowing the organism to spread despite an immune response. When the organism makes uh, toxic shock syndrome toxin, well-known, uh, a well-known toxin allowing it to cause toxic shock syndrome or serious uh, life-threatening illness. Capsules allow the organism to wall itself off from the immune system, allow itself presumably along with slime to adhere to catheters and other plastics uh, within the human body. So the organism... Uh, by creating all these different weapons can be extremely virulent and and allows it to cause a variety of infectious diseases. Very interesting. Um, So given this background, we can see that MRSA presents a number of challenges for clinicians. What would you consider to be the biggest challenges when managing MRSA infections? I think in the short term, the, the challenges really are threefold. One is realizing that MRSA infections are very, very common and that they can be, uh, lead to serious morbidity, serious mortality, and they're also associated with high cost. And I think that's the first really important challenge is the fact that this is a very, very common organism causing a variety of infections and it's very able to uh, lead to disease, death, and also very high hospital costs. The second issue is the emerging issue, and that is resistance development in MRSA. It continues to become what we call less susceptible to a variety of antibiotics at our disposal, and growingly is becoming outright resistant to the antibiotics at our disposal. And I think what's going to happen is that continuously this organism will evolve to become both less susceptible to the agents we have, but also more resistant to the agents we have and more resistant to the variety of different agents that we have. 
And finally is infection control. It is very difficult for medical centers to have ongoing infection control programs, and I'm really focusing here on hand washing because the way human nature is, is you preach hand washing, and yet individuals continuously are not washing their hands, and we know that this is the single biggest way to prevent the spread of MRSA. So it will be a challenge of how do you enforce uh, regimented hand washing knowing that individuals continuously forget. So I think really those are the three big challenges in managing MRSA infections going forward. Well, this is all the time we have for today. Thank you, Dr. Zanel, for giving us some important background information on this very difficult pathogen. Please join us for subsequent discussions on how to address challenges posed by MRSA.